Do you have a system or a program or a way you do things that is unique to you and your business? Or maybe it's an idea that you haven't implemented yet, but you think will be a really cool new way to do something at your business. You may be able to take that idea or that program and license it and create another stream of income for yourself. In this episode of Punk Rock Business School, we're gonna to talk to my friend Dave Simon, who took a program he was doing at his business and turned it into a six-figure licensing business. Let's do it. Hey everybody, Danny here. Welcome back to another episode of Punk Rock Business School. Thanks so much for joining me. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe here on YouTube and hit the notification bell so you know about new episodes coming out. Or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app on your phone. Everybody's got one. Uh, and if you feel so inclined, love for you to do a review and a rating over at iTunes. Really helps me out. We're going to jump pretty quick here into the episode with Dave talking about a licensing business, what it is, how do you do it, how he started his, um, and maybe it'll get your wheels turning. Maybe you have an idea or a process or a system or a program that you do at your business that you may be able to license to other businesses. It's a really cool concept and a really cool potential income extra income stream for you. Before we get into it, last week I did an episode with Dave from Warm Welcome. If you haven't checked out Warm Welcome yet, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes here and a link below in the description on YouTube. Click that affiliate link of mine and you can use promo code PUNKROCK and get three free months of Warm Welcome to send super cool video emails to your clients. All right, let's get into today's episode with Dave. Here we go. All right, Dave Simon, welcome to your first appearance on the new podcast, Punk Rock Business School. Uh, you, you were a repeat guest on the old show, but you know, it's nice to try something new, right? Well, it's good to be on and I just want to share with the, your viewers, I have sporting a mohawk today and I have a safety pin rammed <laughs> in my nose to really capture this the essence of the punk rock business well since we are recording video for this and it will be on youtube they're going to see real quickly that it's just the same old no hair old dave Simon. Day. <laughs> <laughs> not not sporting the usual hat though no this is true i i had to do the hat because my hair is just so bad these days so anyway welcome to the show you're calling in from uh cleveland in the icy cold out there. Thanks so much for uh, taking time out today. I know you got a busy day uh, going over there. So today we wanted to talk about the licensing business. And uh, you know, the title of the, today's show was how to make a six figure income from a licensing business. And uh, you know, a, a decent amount of people listening today probably have heard you on the past show. So they know, you know, you come from the music school background. 
Give us a real quick update how you, you know, what made you go from music school into even thinking about this concept of a licensing business? Well, with my music school, I was always, you know, thinking about new, you know, new ways to grow, new ways to scale it. And I had started this rock band program called Kids Rock for four to seven year olds. And it was really, you know, it was going well. And I was contemplating open a second location. And I kind of felt like, well, that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. when you want to scale y- your business. And there was something in my gut that was just telling me, don't do it, don't do it. I was really hesitant okay. to do it because where I was going to have to open that second location was so far from where my first location was. And, um, at that point, I also didn't have a good management structure in place at the home base for me. Like I had this fear that I was going to be driving back and forth like three times a day. Um, <laughs> so I was looking to scale, you know, I was looking for the scale and a friend of mine, you know, I, I was, I'd gone to a couple of my mentors and I said, look, should I open a second location or should I look at doing something with this kids rock thing? Maybe I could franchise it or something. I hadn't really thought that much right. about it. And a friend of mine, he just gave me that little push and he's like, Dave, this ki- that kids rock thing, I could just see that thing taken off like around the world. And I'm like, that's all I need to hear. Okay. <laughs> just, I need one other person to, to believe in it. Yeah. And um, so initially I was contemplating franchising it, you know, because I, I did the math and I was like, wow, this could really work as a standalone business. Yeah. And, but then I um, looked or I ultimately decided the licensing model was not only more attractive to me, but I think I thought it would be more attractive to folks like us yeah. because it, it was more affordable. Right. So let's back up a little bit. Um, what What is licensing? I mean, there's multiple ways you can license and, and there's different types of things that can be licensed. Um, let's just kind of throw that out there first. Yeah, well, I, so typically licensing what it's most known for is where a brand reaches a certain level of visibility and recognition and then they'll license their their logo and like for example um i have a friend who was in the necktie business and he would license uh the polo logo Mm -hmm. and put it on the tie but polo has um a set kind of guidelines is okay if you're going to license you know our our logo um you know our designers have to approve what we're doing and so it allows people that are in the business to um to get a a maybe more recognized brand and slap it on there so you know next time you go and you buy some um gucci purse that might not be maybe it's a gucci purse but somebody else uh, manufactured it. Maybe it wasn't Gucci, but they uh, licensed th- their name. And so that's kind of the, mo- when, you know, people think of licensing, that's the most common business model, but licensing allows a business to bring in a new service and still maintain their own business as opposed to a franchise where a franchise comes in or if you franchise something, you have to follow the rules. Right. And typically right, right. a licensed program is an add-on and the, the business owner is given a lot more um, freedom to what, kind of do uh, with it what they want. Yeah, I, I would imagine that 
you know, a definition kind of of licensing is the use of intellectual properties, either commercially recorded, filmed, um, images like a logo, things like that. Because obviously, you know, the more I think about that term licensing, you know, I, I license music from a website to use for this podcast. My band has songs that get licensed to be used in a commercial or a movie, you know, so there's, I think probably from the standpoint of a small business owner like us, I think people that's initially maybe more what they think about when that term licensing comes up. So they don't think about it in the sense of licensing, you know, cause you licensed, licensed intellectual property. You came up with this program. So you're licensing this program. I don't think people think about it in the sense of something they can use at their business uh, as much as they do when they think about movies and music and, you know, things along that lines. Right. And, you know, this, the, my model is really based on more of what's going on in, in the fitness community. Mm -hmm. uh, Zumba comes to mind where gyms will, um, or fitness centers will license Zumba. I'm not even really sure what Zumba is. I know it's some type of like exercise class, but I think they were one of the first ones to kind of go big with this model. And um, the instructor maybe gets certified or right, does right. Some, some training. And what's nice about it is the um, licensor, I guess that that's me, <laughs> they don't like collect any money. You know, I mean, I mean, they collect money from the license, but the business owner doesn't have to give any money back to the licensor. So my licensees aren't, pay, they pay me for the right to use my intellectual property, but I'm not taking a cut of their sales. Right. Another one that comes to mind, CrossFit, which, you know, became huge yeah. is, you know, that's that type of model where you have, I believe it's licensed, not um, franchised. You know, so to use that term, CrossFit, I believe you have to license that term and then get certified well, was, and do the whole, you know, the whole thing. Well, and what's nice about the licensing model, especially for more artistic people, is artistic people, creative types, they always want to put their own spin on it. <laughs> it, it just, it, it's in their blood and licensing allows that. You know, if you license CrossFit at your gym, they're going to give you a manual. They're going to give you everything that they need to succeed, that you need to succeed. But you also, the CrossFit police aren't going to come knocking on your door and say, hey, you're not, you're doing it wrong. Now it's, it behooves you, and I've never used that word before. I'm excited to use it. <laughs> but it behooves you to learn the CrossFit system, be as successful as you can with it, and then make it your own. And I think for musicians, that's what my programs do is it's, I always say, learn it, master it. What I have documented, I have it documented because it's proven and it works. But then over time, you're just going to naturally start kind of adding your own to it. What, uh, you know, you, you started to talk a little bit about franchising, and this is something we uh, discussed yesterday when we were talking about doing this interview, because I, I looked pretty thoroughly at franchising for a while as well. To buy a franchise or to franchise your business? To franchise my business. Uh-huh. You know, and went pretty deep into that process, talked to a guy who, that's what he did for a living, was took, you know, individual businesses and got them to the scale and all the things that they needed to franchise. I mean, off the bat, I would 
certainly say one of the negatives to that was it was not going to be cheap <laughs> at all. Right, about a hundred thousand dollars just right. to get set up. Right, right. What are hundred thousand dollars on your end? Yes, on my <laughs> end. Right to go through the process, uh, get uh, you, you know you have to create this document. And this is what they would all do for you because franchising has to be licensed and, you know, it's government regulated to a certain extent. So you have to follow and meet these certain criteria, which also includes uh, having a certain amount of money sitting in a bank account to get, you know, to be open to franchise. Um, were there other things that you thought about, you know, as, as far as why you didn't go down a franchise model at all? Yeah, you know, the, the cost was a big barrier. I'm, I'm still not convinced, though, and I'm, I'm not that my mind's closed on this. I'm not convinced that the mu a music school as a franchise model is, um, I mean, it, it works for School of Rock to a certain level. And it, it might be working for the owners, yeah, for the was it the franchise or <laughs> or the, the franchise the franchisee the one who buys the franchise yeah well the, the franchisor the, right. sells it the franchisee is the one that i think it's got to be tough i mean we know what the margins are like at a music school to give 20% of that kind of profit or whatever it is over to the franchisor seems like it would just make it almost impossible to make money which I, I do know a few people who own franchises and I can tell you one common thing with all of them is they own many locations. And I think the reason is, is you, you can't make any money owning one subway restaurant. You have to well, have that's five. That's usually the, the agreement in the franchise agreement is that you're going to open two or three locations and you have X amount of time to do it. So it puts, you know, we had a school of rock appear in St. Louis and I think the agreement was to do three. They only did two and then it somehow corporate took it over. I think what makes a music school special and what makes really any service oriented business special is the people. And because the people are the ones delivering the product. And so when you plug that into a franchise model, it's like if you look at, let's say, um, I don't know if you look at a great franchise like um what's the the mexican that does like the wraps chipotle uh chipotle right it's like okay the food's good they had like, they got the food they got the systems for creating it and they've got the decor the people having good people behind the counter help but it's not as important as sure. a business like a music school where it's like man the teachers are the product. So with the yeah. franchise, you know, or I wasn't so convinced in the music education world that the franchise model really made sense since it all boils down to who you hire. And um, again, I'm, I'm totally open. Like I just, you know, maybe someone hasn't moved into that space yet um, to do a music school franchise that can really build a culture and really have a system in place for hiring people. But I also, my challenge was, well, I really, the thing I like about licensing is that I can license to musicians, musicians who own small businesses, businesses that maybe generate, you know, under 500,000 a year can afford to license my product. Whereas not a lot of musicians have the money 
to buy a franchise. Typically, if someone's buying a music education franchise, they themselves aren't a music educator. Right, right. They're some type of uh, of investor. And also, was really interesting. Someone pointed out is that fran the franchise. They're not invested in their franchisees being successful. It's it, it's beneficial that they're successful. Yeah. Because it because they have that resume saying, "Hey, look at all these success stories." They're in the business of selling franchises. Right, right. Whereas licensing, I'm in the business of licensing and maintaining the license. So, it it's much it's much easier for me to say to a licensee, "Hey, I'm like I'm here for you. I'm your partner. I'm not selling this and then disappearing you know i'm we're here to, to partner i'm invested right. in your success yeah I, I imagine it had to be easier as well because you were approaching already established businesses you right. know that may have already put in whatever money they needed to and investment wise to bootstrap their their business they've been moving along for a few years they're gaining new clients all the time and you're kind of like you know, offering them a system and an additional service that they can now make profit off of. So what year right. did you do your first licensee? So the first one was maybe 2009, it could have been 2008. And actually to go back to School of Rock, School of Rock was opening in my market, probably about a half mile down the road from a music school. I mean, a music school that was in my market, not really a competitor of mine because he was maybe eight miles out. And he's like, Dave, School of Rock's coming. I'm freaking out. What do I do? <laughs> hey, what's this, what's this Kids Rock thing you got? And he's like, is there any way you could run it here at my school? I called my lawyer and I was like, what do I do? He said, license it to him. I was like, what does that mean? He explained it to me and I licensed it to him. And what I learned from it, so I licensed it to this guy and it became apparent to me pretty early on that it wasn't set up to run without me. And yeah. so I was running out to his school, helping his guy out. And through the process, I learned the kind of how to make a component of my business completely turnkey. And through that process, I said, you know, all I have to do is apply this knowledge now mm -hmm. to my entire school and put in these systems so that, it can, that my school can run more efficiently without me. And that, so the licensing that, to that one guy really got me kind of turned on to this idea of systematizing my school in a way that um, makes sense and is easy and that, and that the school can run, run by itself because I knew I might want to license other aspects of my business. Let's go a little bit deeper here and explain you know, what exactly they're licensing from you? What do they get? And why is it a licensable thing? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I think it's, and I also want to address kind of anyone who's listening, who's thinking, hey, maybe, you know, maybe you've got a product or a service that you think is licensable. And I think, so in my case, there was a class with a structure. Here's how you conduct the class. But then it came down to, well, no, here's actually what you say in the class. So I started writing scripts and I, and I tried to, what, what I quickly learned is that there are certain things that I do that are just automatic. I don't think about it. And that I have to, 
document this program in a way for assuming that a person has no idea how to teach. Now, nobody getting hired to do the job, I mean, they're going to know how to teach somewhat, but I had to really doc, I really created in-depth instructions on how to greet the kids when they come in and, and how every minute of the class should go. And here's different things you can say. Here's different, if this social scenario comes up, if a kid um, keeps bouncing up and down, here's some different things that you could say. So keep kind of going deeper and, and deeper with that. The more I, I realized, the more a business owner could purchase my product and get, hand it to somebody else and say, learn this. Don't bother me with this. Learn this. And I'll take care of the marketing. What to, and um, I'll now, give the, and then I also gave them the marketing as well. Right, and and so and then you're also providing them though um, specific materials and tools, correct? Right. Explain a little, go a little deeper on that, because I think for a lot of people, right, who who own some kind of business and they're like, well, I like to do my thing this way. Is it? licensable because can't somebody else just basically learn how i do it and then do that you know that's kind of never the kinda... never license it <laughs> right so what are other material you know you're providing you know a lot of it, it's not just here's how you teach something you know right you what are some of the other elements to that program well first of all it's interesting what you brought up there's this whole and i've had people say this to me that were on the phone and they say this sounds great but i could just do this myself Sure, sure. And actually, everything that you've told me, Dave, now that I kind of have an understanding of what your program <laughs> is, I really could do it myself. And somebody did. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's totally legal. Now, what I also noticed that what they did is they didn't have all the bells and the whistles that I had to provide. So I think th the key is, and I, I said to the person, I say, and other people have brought this up, I said, you could, but it took me five years to create um, and record all the music for it, to write the books, to document the systems. Um, you could do it yourself. You're not gonna have, the customers aren't gonna have the same experience that I can provide for your customers. Um, in, in terms of you know, having pre-recorded music, having books, having all the, the tools and resources that you need to run, operate, and market the program. And so kind of the more value you can stack, right. sure, sure. the more they're going, man, I'll just pay the 220 a month. Right. Fine. I'll give this guy, you know, I always say to people, look, you, the first two customers in this program, that's going to cover your fee for me. And then everything after that, that's all for you. Right. No matter, right. It, yeah. Your fee stays the same each month, no matter how many people are utilizing the service at, at your business, no matter how much money you're making from it as a right. business. Unlike, owner. unlike the franchise right. where the right. franchise where getting a percentage right. of that sale. Yeah. The, uh, you know, when you, what, when did I come on board as a, you came on I was one of the early, early adopters, like, right? As always, maybe 2011. <laughs> what, how many, how many people did you have at that point? I bet you I had around 10, yeah. maybe eight to 10. So early days. I had, still. I had enough to kind of go, okay, there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's something, it's just not, it's not a big thing yet. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, as a music school owner at the time, you know, that's the thing 
you, you think about with any program like that that gets presented to you is your first response is to go, well, why couldn't I, I could just create a kid's little band program. I could do that on my own. Why would I pay somebody? But then you got to really think about it and go, all right, how many hours do I need to put into something to try to make this work? If you've ever tried to, you know, create some kind of totally new program at your business, it, it takes forever. And, and there's no guarantee it's going to work. And getting it off the ground is always just this gargantuan hurdle. And I just looked at it and was like, well, it's not very much money and it's plug and play. And we just, you know, you help train the people and then I just got to, you know, do the marketing and, and manage it. And it just makes so much more financial sense to look at something like this versus trying to do it on your own. Granted, you're in an industry and I'm in an industry where, like you said, it's all musicians and they all, everybody, you know, every guitar player thinks they can play the solo better than the other guitar player. So, that, you know, their natural desire is to want to, you know, I'll just do it on my own. But the reality is 99.9% .9 of everybody who says that will never do it. They never get it done. They never complete it, you know, so... I think ego is also a big part. I mean, as a musician and a business owner, I really took a lot of pride in my musical and creative ability. And it's interesting, when I opened my school back in 2003, without even investigating whether there was a good rock music curriculum out there, I started writing books. Yeah. I was just right away. I was like, all right, I got to write a curriculum. And... um I also kind of knew when I started my school, I knew I wanted it to be a stepping stone to something else. And so I was kind of trying, I was looking for that thing that I could break out from, from my school, but really it's sort of, and I, I, I've had people say this to me like, Hey, well, you know, I'm a really creative person and I could just do this myself. And I get that. Mm -hmm. Sure. And you could, but it's like, but you won't. They, <laughs> But well, it's also the amount of time, like you could buy this and have this generating revenue for you in maybe three to four weeks. Right. Or right. it could take you three to four weeks to kind of ramp up to start creating it. It's going to take you about maybe six months to a year to kind of get the beta version. Um, meanwhile, you could have been this whole time running the, this program. But I do think for a creative person, someone who's really artistically driven, it's maybe hard for them to kind of set that aside and go, you know what, it's going to be more convenient and it's going to be easier and more profitable just to purchase this right now. Yeah. I, you know, and, and, you know, the point of today's interview really is to, you know, to get into the licensing issues and the model and how somebody could maybe apply it. But from, from the other side of it, from the standpoint of the business owner who uses the service, you know, I, I, you know, was paying you a licensing fee of a couple hundred bucks a month and I was making, you know, in the, in the heyday, maybe four, 4,500 bucks a month additional profit from licensing that program. So it, it was really kind of a no brainer. And I think if you're thinking about light, you know, creating some type of licensing program to sell to other businesses, you know, it's good to n understand you know, because it's going to come down to being able to sell it. Of course, you got to be good at sales, um, being able to sell that concept to people that for such a small investment in a program, if you put some some effort into it, the, the returns can be, you know, 
it's much easier to get a good return on this type of program versus thinking about franchising, you know, a school of rock or a subway, or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. What, um, from a legal standpoint, all right, the person is licensing this program from you. Um, again, maybe you can go a little deeper on everything that you give them and how are those things protected? Where's the line on all this? So they're protected w with copyrights and, um, you know, there, there's some pretty harsh, I would say harsh language in the, the agreement, but it, there's a clause in there that says if you, and, and this has come up with people, if, if you, for any reason, discontinue this program, or if I discontinue it, um, for a period of two years, you cannot do X, Y, and Z in your business. Basically, I just define what the program is. You can't do a program that does this, 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 and this. And if you do those things, you're violating this agreement. So, you know, obviously, and, like, the name is, you know, part of that agreement. You know, you can't start, you know, you can't start a fitness program at your gym and call it Zumba unless you're licensing Zumba. What are other things? things that in your program that are that you created that are protected so i obviously the intellectual property you know all all the books all the, um, the songs you created the songs and, and the recordings that's all all protected and i've had three incidences where people have tried i think two of them deliberately tried to steal the program and um it's also the kind of thing where it's like okay you know, if they're making money off it, if they're making money off of it and they outright stole it, they're going to hear from me. They're going to hear from, from my attorney. I had somebody who I really think innocently didn't realize that they were stealing it. They kind of made it so much their own, but they were contractually, you know, kind of using enough of it to kind of make me go, this doesn't look right. They weren't using my books. They weren't using my songs. And I said, okay, fine. You know, you're, you're clearly doing something that's different enough, but yeah. you clearly learned how to do this from me. And, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, once you way. put your idea out there, <laughs> you, you can only protect it so much. Right, right. And you have to be okay with that. You have to kind of know. It's like at first, I didn't want any photographs of the guitar. I didn't want people to see how the guitar was set up. I'm like, you know what? That's ridiculous. Just if someone's if someone has it set on them, and, and again, even if you steal it, you're going to have to invest time into stealing it and redesigning it. Just spend the two hundred bucks and just for, you know be done with it. Yeah, you know, so you don't have to like sure, worry sure. about it. Yeah, well, that makes sense too. The, the reason a reasonable person but you know there's always right. the unreasonable people and those are the ones that you have to worry about yeah it's kind of an interesting uh, it's it's an interesting line you know because what you're licensing is a is a, a band program for small kids in a it, it is a music program for small kids in a band format there's other stuff out there like that to some extent there are tons of schools that were probably already doing some type of program that was for that age group. And maybe they play in a band, you know, it, 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 it is an interesting kind of line. And I think it would be confusing for people, but I think, 
you know, maybe the, the magic sauce in this isn't really about what you've created that is, is something that you can protect. It, it's really the sauce is that you're delivering it in a package to a business that's easy for them to implement and make money off of. Because if they're doing that, they're not really thinking so much about, well, I could have just created that on my own. You know, or I, I should just start doing something similar and not, you know, and save myself $200 a month. You know, and well, I think business owners, I think one of our biggest challenges is identifying what are the things that we really should be focused on. It's so easy to get distracted by certain things. And I always say, if it's not, if you're not focused or, or anything beyond the scope or the realm of vision and systems, if it doesn't fall in, in the, those parameters, you can delegate it. And to go and say, you know what? We, there is a hole in my business. There is an age group. There is a demographic that we're not serving. I could go and buy this thing for 200 something a month and, and have, roll it out within a few weeks, or I could go into the lab and come up with my own program. Well, that's now, now the business owner is getting distracted. Now the business owner is doing something that, yes, will generate some revenue eventually. But um, I just think as a business owner, you've got to keep that macro view. You've got to always kind of be at you know, the, 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 the bow of your ship, kind of looking out into the future. And it's so easy to get distracted by, by these things. And to go and to start, I was always getting distracted because I kept trying to... Um, create new programs for my school and it um i could have made plenty of money had i not done that you know but just for some reason it was this um again it was that creative side yeah. i i want to do this i like i found pleasure in it sure sure i i ha there's a lot of things you know there's those times where i look at my business and the school business and i go you know, we probably wouldn't lose any students or make any less money if I got rid of this thing that I'm doing. But it's something that I go, well, I like it, though. <laughs> right, like I, I example, think it's cool. I want to do it. <laughs> like, I bet you I spent an hour editing my podcast episodes. And I could easily delegate that out. But I love editing my podcast. So I, like, I like cling, cling to it. And, and I hold on to it. And I think... Um, you know, if you're a, a business owner and there's an opportunity that can help expand your business and all you have to do is pay a subscription for it, it can be worth it. And then on the flip side, it's I think it's worthwhile to look at your business and kind of go, is there something I'm doing in here that could help other people? And um, it just didn't even occur to me that I was doing things that other people might want to pay money for. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think it's something that doesn't cross people's minds a lot, a lot of other business owners. And I think it's such a, a good subject and, and an interesting thing to talk about and think about because a lot of the guests that I'm having on the show and a lot of the direction of my businesses personally and a lot of the people I'm having on the show are of people that took a traditional business model, a brick and mortar model of some sort, and added this other element of a financial uh, stream of income, whether it's an online version, 
uh, or an online element that they add to the business, or it's selling intellectual property like courses and ideas and trainings. And in your case, licensing something that you were doing at your business that you saw worked and then able to license that to other people. And I think, I mean, it's, it's something to really think about because obviously, I mean, you sold your music school (laughs) as your licensing business took off. And there's a lot of really positive elements, you know, to making that type of lifestyle change uh, as well. In your licensing business, it's you, you don't have any employees, you know, you probably use some contractors to do your website or to write something for you or what, you know, whatever you need, but it's just you, no employees, no building, no overhead costs, all those kind of things. Yeah, no, it's really been attractive. And I think, you know, you don't really know what you're doing in your business that's unique until you talk to other business owners. Like perhaps you've got some sort of system in your office that um, really is allowing your business to run efficiently that other businesses might be willing to pony up some money for. Maybe it's through a course or maybe it's through a one-time purchase of, mm-hmm. of, of, of systems. And that's, you know, one of my mentors has always said to me, he's like, Dave, you know, maybe there's something going on in your office that you could sell some sort of the way you you operate. And um, really what I decided to turn it into is I'm doing a course on how to create systems for your business. Right. Not, and and this is interesting is I said to him, Oh, maybe I could sell my systems. He's like, well, now you're getting into a franchise model. You can't (laughs) do that. And so it's, I think that's something to be really careful about is if you're looking at your business, if you're looking for potential assets, there are things that you can turn into another stream of revenue. Um, Some things would have to start crossing into the line of franchise when you get into, this is how you will run your business. Mm. That's where the waters get a little murky. What, um, you know, so 2011 or so you're running along 10, 15 licensees. What are things that you did to sell the program and grow the business? Um, it was really interesting. I was on a sales call once with somebody and somebody said, I really like your product, but I just don't know. Like, I've never heard of you. I was like, wow, okay, like I gotta chew on that. And so I was like, oh, I gotta like, I've gotta get people to hear about me. And so that's when I really started focusing on on, on content marketing and really started focusing on being more of a giver and not almost concealing what it is that that I sell. And that's when I got into blogging and then, you know, ultimately a, a, a podcast. So it, it really, I began to focus more, less on selling and more on kind of a long-term strategy where I could bring people into my um, world and help them with their business. Right, helpful advice. marketing. Yeah, helpful marketing. Right, and then eventually they're going to go, well, who, like, how does this guy know about this stuff? Who is this guy? Oh, I see what he sells. And uh, I'm really, I was on, I think it was either your podcast i think it was on your podcast first at the time i had 14 licensees and um 
you said, how come you only have 14? And I, I kind of felt a little <laughs> defensive because I was like, I know I should have more. I don't know. I don't know why. I had a marketing problem. That's all. Yeah. It wasn't the product because I had a marketing problem. And then I sold some from that show and I realized it's not always your product. Sometimes the answer is the marketing. Sure. And the, fixing a marketing problem, it also can be like, okay, I got a marketing problem. Then I had to figure out, well, what was the problem? What, what, what wasn't I doing? Do, do I need to spend more money on ads? Like, what, what is it? And I just figured it out. Was, like this guy said, people don't know who I am. And um, I began to kind of, you know, figure out like, okay, well, I've got to change that. What, uh, a, as you grew the business, what, uh, how big did you make this thing eventually? Well, pre-COVID, I got up to 84 uh, licenses sold so it you know yeah was like uh that's awesome getting up to like a three hundred thousand dollar a year business yeah covid came and um my business responded was in sync with the rest of our our industry yeah most of the people in our industry had to go to zoom lessons and the bands and the ensembles and the group classes got put on hold well guess we got screwed you know that that, that was my world <laughs> But it was also kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, got to pivot, you know, and I got into coaching and course creation. And that now is COVID's coming back. I mean, really, the big lesson, I think, for all of us is the importance of multiple streams of revenue. Sure. And that where you can have if one takes a hit, the others can kind of keep you afloat. Yeah, very super important to have have a few legs holding up that table. And preferably right. a couple of legs that aren't in the same area, <laughs> you know, that, uh, you know, I was certainly m multiple businesses or streams of income for me were all impacted by the COVID thing. And I think that was probably true for a lot of people. This one was hard to see coming. But, you know, when you talk about the size of the business, you know, and then I, obviously it's going to come back. You'll, yeah. you'll come back with a fury here, um, you know, any month now things should should get back to it i've been doing the program again since maybe november you know of last year uh, you know i started just doing it again at a scaled down version and you know with all the protocols we needed and it's been it's been amazing i i'm, I'm totally you know full with the program right now um at least at the my main location um you know but when you know i think it's easy for people to think about well $300,000 a year business isn't that huge. But when you're talking about something with basically no overhead, <laughs> right? $300,000 of intellectual property that you sold. Well, you know, we all have fixed expenses in our business. Sure. To some and extent. You look yeah. at them and you go, okay, that $4,000 I'm paying for rent. I can never make that go away. Yeah. Well, maybe I did. You can. Right, right. Maybe you, you take some of it online and you scale that you scale down to a smaller space. Now you're paying two thousand in rent. Um, you know, there are certain right, you have these fixed expenses that really, you know, like payroll, right? Payroll is a big expense. Well, what if you shift more to in the music world, what if you shift more shift more to a group model? Or what if you don't hire such skilled labor? and train people, then you can, you know, keep your, your payroll down. So the real lesson I learned is that 
we're not trapped by our expenses. There can be ways to um, get some of those under control. And sometimes it means making some really tough decisions and maybe revisiting your business model. Yeah, I, I you know, <clears throat> probably when you started licensing it, you know, you thought about this thing as an additional program to go along with your school, you know, and then right. at some point you're like, why am I doing this other business? <laughs> why am I doing this music school anymore? When you look at the time and the effort and all the headaches that come with a brick and mortar business, you know, right. versus what you're making from it for yourself. And you have this other thing going, it was probably a pretty easy, uh, the writing was pretty easy to see on the wall and go, I'm just going over here. This is way better lifestyle wise. I would, I'm sure it would probably, well, you moved, you were able to move out of state right. and, you know, it afforded you a lot of different, you know, uh, avenues to go down. Well, and you know what, it's like, it's a little, I'm sure any business owner can relate to this before you start a business, you've got some other job, right? <laughs> and so you've got your job and you decide I want to start a business. And one of the, the, the first big milestones any uh, business owner can achieve is when they realize they're making the same amount of money there in their, in their business that they were making from their job. And they don't have a boss now. It's just some, that's a huge accomplishment. And um, when I started my, my business, I was working in IT and I had a salary. And when my school, when I first started making that, started matching that salary, it was huge. And then what happened is licensing came into play. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm like 20 licenses away from being able to just live off of this. If I get rid of all these expenses and I just had my licensing, because my licensing was helping prop up my school. Mm. And I had, I had an office manager who, eh, he was making close to 40,000 a year, maybe 35 a year. Um, and he existed because I was licensing. Yeah. Had my licensing, you know, tanked, I would have fired him and I would have just you taken been over his, his job. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you I'm glad been... I didn't because he wound up buying my school. So <laughs> yeah, it worked out good. Um, all right. So somebody's a business owner or maybe they're, you know, don't even have to be a business owner and they think they have an idea that they might be able to license. What are like, what should they be thinking about or looking for? What would constitute something that may be a licensable idea or property or program yeah maybe it's a system it's a simple system that you're doing in your business that to you is a no-brainer but to other people in your industry or maybe another industry it's not so obvious and um maybe it's an hr maybe it's an hr our, our system a whole you know maybe it's Wow, you really have an amazing process for interviewing people and you know I was going to I was going to mention interviewing. Like if you had is that something I you know and I guess when you have these ideas you'd have to kind of go down that road and 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 talk to somebody, you know, an attorney who's more familiar with these things, but if you have like spe a specific process for hiring or questionnaires that you use or a, you know that type of system that may be something that you could license to other businesses huh right or it could be and you gave me this idea i was struggling with my summer camp i couldn't license it and you're like dave why don't you just sell it i'm like oh and then i and then sales took off 
because it, it, it's kind of like, right, summer camp isn't the kind of thing that you're generating revenue from all the time. It's seasonal. So, you know, let's say you've got like an, a really amazing HR process in your business. Well, it doesn't really mean anything until um, the HR switch gets turned on, where you've got an issue with an employee, um, or you need to hire someone or, or fire someone. So maybe it could be a course that, that you sell. That's, you know, maybe a premium rate. It, you know, somebody might be willing to pay a thousand bucks to have this sort of HR system in place for whenever they need it. But it's kind of, I think the thing to do is talk to other business owners yeah. to get a sense of where you're strong. Like you might, you might think everybody's got an amazing HR system, but yours just happened, but they don't. They don't really even know about it or think about it. And you just so happen to have a really phenomenal one just because you've been passionate about it. And my headphones just unplug. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going <laughs> to pretend like I can hear you, although you're not talking. We'll edit and, this. It's um, all right. There we go. Plugging back in. Um, but I, I think to is to identify what's that unique quality you have in your business, talking to other people in your industry, to see if it's something that they value. And then ultimately is to find someone that will test it out with you. Somebody that will, right, right. Um, I wouldn't do it for free, have them pay something where you can kind of beta test it because there's gonna be, there's certain things that are in your brain. Are there certain things that you will think, oh, everyone, like, I don't have to document this. It's pretty obvious what to, to do here. And yeah. I'll never forget this. Somebody said to me, they bought my program, they licensed it, and they said, Dave, I love it. But, like, like you really need lesson plans. And I was, like, offended. <laughs> I was, like, lesson plans? What do you mean? I was, like, it really, or like, it really hurt my feelings. And I was, like, he's right. Like, I need to have class one. Here's what do you this. do. Say class this. two. I... You know, here's what you do. Here's what you say. And so I like I said to him after I kind of was done crying, I said, "Give me six <laughs> weeks. I'll 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 get I'll have give you lesson plans." And it goes to show the importance of feedback from customers. That was an unsolicited comment he made, and I just learned from that. It's like, man, that feedback is so crucial. Sure, sure. And so yeah, if if you've got an idea or a system a process or even an actual service in your business that you feel you could break out, find somebody to like, try it, try it out on because they're going to, it will quickly reveal or all of its weaknesses will reveal sure. themselves right away. And just say to the person, look, I'm going to charge you a great rate and I'm on call like 24 seven with you. And if you've got someone locally, or and now we got Zoom, but if you can just be like, any problem comes up, we're, we're hopping on a Zoom call and, and we're gonna correct it. Because look, it works. Look, look what it's doing for my business. You know, but there's gonna be some issues with that, that very first customer. So then once you've been kind of in testing mode with a customer and you think you have something, is the next step probably to go down the legal route and talk to an yeah, attorney? Yeah, I, and, I and had an down. agreement with the first guy. Mm. You know, we had a legal agree. It's really the agreement that I use today is kind of based on on, on that. As far like, you know, was it expensive? As far as the legal elements of getting this thing off the ground, was it? I bet you three to five grand. 
No. Not not too bad. It's not nothing, but um, that first license sale covered it. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, then there's the whole expense of like, I got to make this thing look pretty now. (laughs) You know, before it was um, handwritten notes in a binder, and I was totally fine with that. Yeah. And actually, the first license, that's that's what he got. It was like handwritten (laughs) photocopies. It was raw. Yeah. You know, it was go to Office Max and buy these stickers. Right, right. um, I mean, even between the time that you bought it till now. Sure, sure, a lot's changed, yeah. And, you know, you know, we, we always quote the Seth Godin. He's like, you know, just ship it. And one thing I want to add to that whole idea, you know, Seth Godin says, look, don't, don't, you, you'll never achieve perfect. Just get it good enough and put it out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, the minimum viable product kind of idea. Right. And I think what's hard for people is that the creative person in their mind, they have an image of what perfect looks like. And what they're shipping is so far from that. But for the customer or the end user, whatever you give them, they go, oh, well, this is what it is. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. You know, maybe they're not like inspired by the design, but it's like, great, I'm going to make money off of it. Okay. He sent it to me in this like binder, you know, with like coffee stains on it, but this is what it is. (laughs) You know, it's a collectible item now. The original. Right, right. <laughs> right on. Very cool. Well, Dave, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's a really interesting subject, and it, it's kind of got my my you know my gears turning a little bit on a couple uh, of ideas. So uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, it's Dave Simons. Is it musiclicensing.com or Dave Simons Music? Or Dave Simons Music. Dave Simons Music.com if you want to go over there and check it out. Even if you're not in our industry, I think it would be great to go over there to just kind of see what that looks like and how it's laid out and some of the language that you're using regarding, you know, somebody licensing these products. And it might really spark somebody's, you know, uh, imagination of how they could utilize something like that in their business and uh, start generating that other stream of income. And who knows, you might be selling your brick and mortar business a few years down the road. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks, Danny.